The closest I could find uh, geographically uh, to me was uh, somebody from Asheville, North Carolina, which would have probably been some of the uh, somebody connected to the Biltmore people that you were talking. Yeah, about. that was their um, butler. Okay. Wheeler, uh, Frederick Wheeler. Yep. Since the Biltmore, since the Vanderbilt switched ships so quickly. The items, you know, they were they were in Europe buying stuff for Biltmore, and those were all those items were scheduled to be on the Titanic. So they sent their butler on the Titanic to make sure everything, you know, when it got to New York, was taken off correctly and got to Biltmore in one piece. So mm -hmm. the Vanderbilt butler was on the Titanic, and he goes down with the ship. Wow. Okay. And the the two people who were the um, the uh, I don't know if you're telegraph operators, Phillips and Bride. Marconi officers, yes. Marconi officers, that's what you call them. Uh, yes, uh, they, uh, they, their story was amazing to me. They were heroes. And then you go mm -hmm. and, you, and you look at pictures of them and they look like they're teenagers. And yeah, I think both of them were in their 20s. Yeah, and they were early 20s. and One made it and one didn't, of course. And... Um, you know, I, I think I think their stories are amazing. Um, and here is the musicians playing to the very end. Absolutely. You know, and I absolutely uh, when I do virtual I do virtual field trips. Um, and that's a, a big question. Why did the musicians stay to the very end? Well, you know, they they knew they were crew members and they were men. They're probably not going to get into a lifeboat, so they knew they had an ability that could help calm people. Music mm -hmm. calms the soul. Absolutely. At first it was ragtime music because ragtime was the up and coming new music style. And then when it became obvious we were thinking, they turned to hymn music to help calm the soul. And if you've ever heard the saying and the band played on, that's where it came from is mm -hmm. the Titanic. Because wow. it played to the very end. Yeah. And, and the the musician that you have there, or musicians that you have there that play, they were just fantastic, and it was very, very soul stirring. Aren't they wonderful? Very soul stirring. Um, and well, just then, hearing that music, you know, certain songs like "Near My God to Thee" or "My Heart Will Go On." You hear those songs, and it takes you back to the movie, and it takes yeah. you back to your emotions, and it. It just, and then you're surrounded with pictures of people, you know, that perished on the Titanic, and yeah. it just brings a lot of feelings. And yeah, and you and you 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 feel you feel for that loss because that was the biggest uh, loss of humanity that I know of uh, up until 911, and. You know, and that that's the only thing I can compare it to in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I, I still can't watch the documentaries because I've seen, I see where the people are jumping off the, the building. Yeah. And, you know, that's real. That's not a movie. That's real. And, you know, and the, the people were doing the same thing on the Titanic, you know. Right. And there's a book called The City of Widows. Um, if you think all the workers came from Southampton, England, and the workers, you all, if you were a crew member on the Titanic, you only had about a 14% chance of survival. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't one square block in Southampton that didn't lose the breadwinner of their family. 
So if you go back and think in that time in history, um, women couldn't vote. They couldn't own property. If they found a job, they made pennies compared to a man. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't daycare. You know, how are they going to support their family? Um, they're going to probably have to take in borders. They're going to have to do laundry for a living. They may have to have their children drop out of school and work. So there is a book. I think it's only about five years old. We had the author on a conference with us once, and it was called uh, The City of Widows that the Titanic Left Behind. You know, because we don't mm. think about how it changed their lives, too, because we're used to, you know, the government helping us out and giving us, like you said, you know, um, help with post-traumatic stress and grief, and they just didn't do that back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Yeah. Now I want to ask it, and and I'm and I'm sorry because I know I'm taking up a lot of your time, but I want to ask you okay. a, a little bit about uh, your career and how you came to be a Titaniac and how you came to be like the ultimate source of Titanic. <laughs> well, I will tell you, God has blessed me. That's really the only way I can tell you about this job. Um, the economy, when it went south in 2008, 2009, uh, my husband lost his excavating company. And he was always proud that I could be a stay-at-home mom and take care of the kids. Um, I was a substitute teacher. And, um, you know, really just, he was proud of that fact. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends um, heard that they were opening a preview center. And what this was is that, you know, how many times do you, drive by a job site and wonder what this building is going to be. Right. So the owners, John and Mary um, Jocelyn, actually put a preview center together, and I was over that. So I actually watched the Titanic Museum be built from the ground up. So I was in that preview center for about a year and um, just really realized that I had a gift for telling stories. I was so happy telling stories. I loved learning about it and and um, telling the stories, and then it just became natural as the ship opened um, that I had already been here a year when everyone else was starting. And then about five years in, I became the official trainer, um, the coach and um, official trainer here at the Titanic Museum Attraction in Pigeon Forge. Um, First classmate, Jamie, is the one in Branson. I do Titanic College. For all the new hires, they have to pass Titanic College, and and they have a quiz, and we just make sure that everyone learns um, 1912 etiquette and, you know, all their facts about the Titanic, and it's always a learning experience because it's Mm -hmm. ongoing because you're never going to learn everything, and um, I've done about every job here, (laughs) and finally, the education executive position opened up. I worked closely with our former education executive, uh, Michelle Sahidi, and they asked me if I wanted to move up into sales and marketing um, about this time last year. And I said, you know, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I always tease people and say I'm 152 because I work on the Titanic. Right. And um, it's, yeah, I think I'm, I need to slow down a bit and th- not that this job was a slowdown at all because virtual field trips jumped from like 15 a year to 160 last year because of COVID and then the word getting out. So it's been a real neat experience. I get to sit behind my desk and tell students all around the world about Titanic. And where are you from? Are you from Tennessee? 
I am originally from Indiana. My um, father was an Indiana state trooper out of Evansville and was mm-hmm. killed in the line of duty when I was one and a half and mm-hmm. my mom was pregnant with my little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, she remarried to my dad, um, who he's my dad. I have a daddy in heaven and I have my dad. Mm-hmm. And we moved around until we got to Gatlinburg when I was in fifth grade. And I've been in Gatlinburg since then. I have two boys, a 28-year-old named Wesley who um, is a drug and alcohol counselor, and then a 26-year-old, Riley, that's a Gatlinburg police officer. So he was actually due on the 24th anniversary of my father's death. Um, He was born three days early, but he looks just like my dad. And people say that he has his, um, I always knew he was going to be a police officer. Always knew it. Always. Mm -hmm. And now he's the resource officer at Gatlinburg Pittman High School. And isn't it amazing how God brings things full circle? Yes. If you wait on him, he always brings it full circle. Exactly. Um, well, thank you for that beautiful story. I, I, dare, I dare say that they are as blessed to have you as you, as, as you are to have them. Um, well, they better say that. No, they know what's good for them. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they do. So, um, no grandchildren for you yet? Actually, the oldest one, I do have a granddaughter. She just turned 11 months old. Her name is Darcy Navea, oh, which fantastic. means dark heaven. Oh, yes. Uh, and she's beautiful. She's the prettiest baby you've ever seen. Oh, I can just imagine. I, <laughs> and, I, and I can just imagine what a wonderful grandmother you are. I hope so. I'm going to spoil her. Yes, yes, that is that is what grandparents are supposed to do. Um, so now you tell me that you love to tell stories of the Titanic passengers. So I, I told you when when we were when we were communicating that, and in my article I said that um, all three of us got people who survived. Um, which is very rare. Men don't, you know, men overall have about a 22% chance of survival. So right. you might want to play the lottery if you survive. No, 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 no. I don't. <laughs> no, I, I don't press my luck. I survived the Titanic. That's good enough for me. Um, I got Mr. Albert Moss. Yes. He's the one that was immigrating from Norway, correct? That's right. Yeah, so an interesting fact about him. I know he, is, met, he, uh, met, he married his niece, which I thought was a little yeah, weird. That's what I was going to tell you. Yeah. I was like, yeah, he sort of married his niece. Yeah, which I... But that, that, I think we did some research, and it was a stepbrother. Okay. Or a half-brother. It's what I think our um, historian found out. So it made us, and he was in like another, wasn't he in another wreck? Um, he was he was he captained many different ships, and one of them was torpedoed off uh, Morocco during World War One. Oh! And all of the crew members survived. Wow! And then he was on the um, SS Moonen. And um, I think that had some problems. So he was um, on several ships. He worked several ships. Because he was on his way from Norway to America, 
because he'd been given a job on a ship. Right. And, um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know if I would work on a ship after I was just through a big shipwreck. I don't even know if I would want to look at water again, you know. So he was it, on... Exactly. He was on many ships uh, before and after. So that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my wife um, got Maria... Or Marie, Marie Backstrom. Backstrom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have found her name um, spelled two different ways um, throughout the years, and it could have been, you know, either Maria decided to be called Marie, mm-hmm. or her family called her one or the other. Right. And you know, everything was handwritten. That's hard for the younger generation to understand. Everything's handwritten, so if you can't read their handwriting or if all of your papers were in a house and then there was a house fire, you know, we could lose, like, some people, we don't know what happened to them because of things like that. Right. So, um, yeah, she was actually um, tossed into a lifeboat. Um, she didn't want to leave her husband's side, and um, she was tossed into a lifeboat, and that's actually what happened to the unthinkable Molly Brown. Her family does not think she would have gotten into a lifeboat, um, but one of the officers tossed her into a lifeboat, breaking her ribs. Oh. Yeah. And she still had the forthright to to say, let's row this thing to keep warm. To keep warm, and she really wanted to go back and help the people in the water. And, um, and once again, putting myself in their shoes, that you would want to go back and help people in the water, but it would be a scary thought too, because you know all those people are going to, you know, just gather around that lifeboat and probably overturn it. So it's one of those things where you want to, but then you're scared to, and you know, you don't know what to do. And then you feel bad for not doing it, but you know, it probably saved your life. And it's just, really yeah, yeah, there's no right answer. Exactly. There's no right answer in a situation. There's no right answer to make yourself feel good about yourself. Right, right. And uh, my little girl got Beatrice Sandstrom. I love Beatrice. I love that name. I always love to say Beatrice Sandstrom yeah. um, from Sweden. I was uh, had a really good friend from Sweden in high school, and um, she was known as a child. She would all all her um, the the distress rockets. Yeah. She always she told her parents that she thought the moon was falling. because yeah. she, she was only one. So she always told people that's what she saw on the Titanic was the moon falling because that's the only way she could describe it. And to 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 be able to articulate that at just a year old, she had to be a pretty sharp yeah. little girl. Yeah. Just like that's my Bella. Aw, I'm sure she's smart. Well, she started third grade two days ago. So. Oh wow! Is she liking it? She does like it. Uh, she was not wanting to go because she does not want to give up her summer because, you know, she's the only child, so she has to run on the show. And what Bella wants is what we do, pretty much. So she she was not wanting to go back, but she really likes it, and she has her best friend in there, so it's, it's working out Aww. well for her so far. Well, good. So, but uh, tell me uh, some what you know about Beatrice Sandstrom. I know she lived to be 
she's one of those that lived to be 90 or around 90. Yes, yes. Um, she lived to be 85, mm-hmm. 85. She traveled with her mother and her sister that was four. And um, I think she ended up going back to Sweden, if I remember correctly. They didn't stay in California for long. Um, well, they were in California and then went to see her grandparents in Sweden, um, went back to California, and I just don't think it worked out. I don't think it was. They got homesick, and they went back to um, um yeah, and for back to Sweden, and and for a lot of for a lot of people who actually made it to America on the Titanic, America didn't offer what they had hoped it would. Is that so? Or, uh, and that or many of them have lost their husbands. Right. So they had no means. They had to go back where family was, and family right. was back in those countries. So they needed to go back because they needed help. You know, like I said, the women needed help making a living. It's not like there were, you know, daycares on every corner to help you take care of your kids. What was like, so if you were lucky enough to have an older child that could watch the kids so you could go to work. Right. You were, yeah. And it was like Ava Hart said, you know, we were, we were going to, we were going to start a family business in Winnipeg and, with my father being gone, there's no, there was no way we could do that. So we, we, right. so we didn't go to, you know, we didn't go to Winnipeg. There yeah, was no. You, you um, mentioned, well, you don't mention his name, but Frankie Goldsmith is the nine-year-old that um, they lived outside of Detroit Stadium after the sinking, and he could never be at home when they played baseball because That's the right. of the crowds reminded me of my Titanic. Yes, that, now, that, they had, they were traveling to Detroit. They already had aunts and uncles there. So that is one instance where the family actually, the mother and child actually stayed because her sister and, and brothers and sisters were already there. Yeah. So unless they had family here that could help them out, many of them returned to their countries to um, you know, just have support, right? And that to raise, their, raise their kids. That really, that really hit home uh, for me. Uh, the the sound, how horrifying the sound of it was. The crowd, and yes, you can really and empathize with that. And and Eva Hart being terrified of uh, when she heard nearer by God to thee in a church service later on in life. Mm-hmm. And, and, that and was, an interesting fact is nearer my God to thee was played at every Strauss, I'm sorry, at every Astor funeral, hmm. except for John Jacob Astor, because Madeline couldn't bear to hear it. Play. Right, right. Wow. So, you know, that was a song that was a tradition in every Astor funeral to be played. But, you know, she could not handle it being played. So he was the only actor to not have it played at his funeral. Well, it, it's fantastic the way that you, I think, very justly and reverently memorialize all 2,100 plus people aboard, 2,200 plus people aboard. Um, I, I think that it is very, uh, it was very emotional for us, as I think it should be for anybody who goes through it. And I think 
that the the attraction is worth the time for anybody who takes the time to go and see it. Now, one well, thank you. Well, now one final thing I want to ask you: um, Is there one movie that you would recommend over the other one in terms of accuracy, or or a particular book that any up and coming Titaniac must read, or anything like that? Um, well, I portray Margaret Tobin Brown, which is the unthinkable Molly Brown. So oh. I tend to you know, lean toward her books. Um, I am really good friends with her great-granddaughter, Helen Bendrigger. She um, comes here quite often. And um, Molly Brown actually became a tall tale to where her family stopped even talking to reporters or people that wanted to write about her because they never, they wrote about the tall tale. She was not born in a flood. She was not born during a tornado. She became a, you know, she she became a Johnny Appleseed, right? Uh, exactly. George Washington chopping down the cherry tree kind of thing. Exactly. So there's only one book that they endorse. Um, they give their official nod, and it's Kristen Iverson's book um, about Molly Brown. So okay. it, I'll see if it was on our website. It used to be. How fantastic that you portray Molly Brown. I, 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 I do. They needed someone loud and obnoxious, and I got me. No, I, I, it it it's called Molly Brown Unraveling the Myth. Well, fantastic. I, I can't say that I was surprised to hear that you play Molly Brown. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. There is a new book that just came out. We do not have it at the moment. It's all about Bruce Ismay. It's written by one of his descendants, Cliff Ismay. Mm-hmm. So that one I can't wait to get a hold of. All right. Well, um, I I have... My wife and I recently watched A Night to Remember. Oh, yes. And, of course, uh, we... We were 11 and 12 years old when the phenomenon of, of uh, James Cameron's movie uh, came out, and we all went to that. And and my my heart will go on is still on continuous play <laughs> on on radio to this day. And and uh, so you know we we grew up when that was at its height. And uh, and I and enjoyed I enjoyed the movie and uh, uh, but having watched and I'm a sucker for old movies so having watched mm-hmm. A Night to Remember I think they did a remarkable job of trying to keep uh, you know it accurate and true to what they really went through and I, I and and then I've I've found the audio book of a night to remember Walter Lords uh on YouTube and I'm and I'm in the middle of that right now and that oh, wow. that I just I just find I just thought they did a super job. Um I I I find I find Mr. Lords book very riveting. Yes. Uh, well many survivors helped him 
and with it. Culminate that, yes, and I think that's what yeah. makes it so great. Um, yeah. You know, because people forget, you know, they get caught up and people forget that Jack and Rose are not real people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Popular question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure that is a very popular question. But uh, you know, it it was a good movie, I think. And I watched a documentary that James Cameron did twenty years later, uh, where he he went they went under and, and he kind of saw some things that he got wrong and and some, and some things that he mm-hmm. got right. But in my opinion, I don't think you can beat a night to remember. And I want, and I wonder, I wonder what your opinion was on the films. Um, a night to remember. I love old movies too. Yeah. And that was the first Titanic movie I ever watched. Um, but as far as thinking wise and how she sank, I think um, James Cameron is more accurate. I see. You know, it goes more in depth, but it's because that's what, you know, technology and movies allowed him to do that. Um, and as far as, yeah, Jack and Rose aren't real, yeah. but their stories are. So it, it's bringing a whole nother group of, you know, titaniacs. Yeah, you know, I feel like I feel like wanna, I feel like there needs to be a new Titanic movie because we have a new generation coming up that needs to know about right. it. Right, and it makes them want to to look at it and see what was real and what wasn't real. So if it gets them reading and it gets them interested in things, then you know I'm always with a a good thing like that. Right. I can't, you know, Jack and but like. Um, there was a famous movie star on the Titanic named Dorothy Gibson. She was a silent screen actress, uh-huh. and her mom and her mom caught her in third class dancing. Oh. Like Rose was caught dancing. Um, Rose was found alive on a door because Thomas Andrews was popping doors off the hinges and throwing them overboard to give people something to cling to. Mm-hmm. And there was a man from Japan found alive on a door. So that's where they got that idea. Okay. Um, Jack won his ticket at Grapes Pub. Grapes Pub is a real place. It's still open today. Yeah. We so went. We went. We went past it in your attraction. I know. Yeah. I had a gentleman say, "No, it closed in the '40s," and I go, "No, sir, it's still open." <laughs> and I go, "Look, there's ESPN signs in the window," and he goes, "Oh." I guess there are. <laughs> I said, yeah. He goes, I didn't notice that. I guess you are right. I guess it's still open. I said, yeah, it, it, it closed down for a year or two, like in 2003, but someone opened it back up. They realized the historical, um, you know, um, providence of it. So Yeah. Now, the Barbara Stanwyck movie, we have not seen that, but we love Barbara Stanwyck. So what's your opinion on that? So, so here's an interesting tidbit. Henry Harris and his wife, um, Irene, were on the Titanic. Henry Harris was a famous vaudeville producer, a Broadway producer. Um, He's the one that gave um, Mae West her start. Okay. Um, He does not make it off the Titanic alive, but she does. And Irene becomes the first female Broadway producer and gave Barbara Stanwyck her start, who later goes on to star in a Titanic movie. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
So, so from her being on the Titanic, I'm sure she heard lots of stories from Irene Harris. Right. So do you recommend the Barbara Stanwyck film? Yeah. It, it's, you know, it, it's a, it's still an older movie, but it's still good. It still pulls on those heartstrings. You, but as far as historically accurate, maybe not so much. Not so much. Okay. So more of an entertaining film than... Right. Yeah. But, uh, okay. That's what I wanted to know. But, I mean, I love I love Barbara Stanwyck. I think she was a great I actress. I do. And, she was. You know. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this half as much as I have. I so appreciate, I have. I so appreciate you taking so much time with me. You oh, enjoy. Thank you so much. And let me know the next time you and your family are here in Pigeon Forge. Oh, absolutely. I would love to meet you in person. It would be an honor. That would be great. All right. Well, thank you so much. I have truly enjoyed every minute of this. You are welcome. Have a wonderful day. And have smooth sailing. Yes, you too. And blessings to you and your beautiful family. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.